listening to audio from Faith Church, located on the north side of Indianapolis. If you'd like to check out more information about our church and ministry, please visit faithchurchindy.com. Welcome to Faith Stories. Pretty sure you've all been to a faith story before, but in case someone's watching on the stream that hasn't been before, um, the idea is twofold. It's the faith, the story of someone's faith journey. Um, and this week it's the Vickery's, so Peter and Joyce. Um, and it's also the stories of people here at Faith Church. So it gets to have a double meaning, uh, which is kind of a wonderful thing in that we're telling our story of our time here at Faith Church as well. So I'd like to open us in prayer and then we'll, uh, we'll get to know the Vickery's a little better. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to hear what you've done in the lives of our brother and sister over the years and their family. Pray that you would uh, just bless our time now and help us to enjoy our fellowship as well and getting to know each other around these tables. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So to get into it a little bit, um, I'll introduce Peter and Joyce. Uh, and I thought I knew them a little bit, not a lot. Uh, and so reading a little bit more about them has been interesting. They've been married for 12 years now. Um, so they have a half a dozen children as well, which I think some of them might wind up sneaking in here at some point. Uh, and they, they range in age from three to 11 years old. So it's a pretty good age range. Uh, speaking of someone who's got kids from five to 12, I feel like that's a good bracket right there. Uh, and they've attended Faith Church as a couple for six years, although Peter attended as a middle school student with his family. Um, Joyce is a composer and a teacher, um, including a homeschool teacher for her children. Um, Peter is an assistant concertmaster for the Indiana Indianapolis Symphony Orchestra. So that's your introduction. Now you know a little bit about them. Um, and the format, if you've been here over the course of this summer, you probably know that we're trying different formats, uh, and this week we're going to be, I, the reason I'm going to stay up here instead of getting out of the way is I'm going to ask some questions of the Vickery's, and they get to sort of answer what, what my list of questions are, and then we'll open it up to questions from y'all. That's how we're going to, oh, and the reason that I'm not Anne-Marie is she's out of town for a few weeks, so you get me, uh, and my name is Matt Sefko. So. All right, so let's uh, get into some of these questions. So music is a huge part of your lives. I think anybody here at Faith that has met you knows that at some level. Um, and so it's a, probably a big part of your Faith story. Uh, and I understand there's a song that relates to what you have to share. There. Yeah, so um, as some of you know, I'm a, a hymn writer. Um, well, I started working on writing hymns a few years ago because I had always like songwriting and I'd like composition and they, but they always felt like two totally separate things. And then a few years ago, I felt God kind of leading me towards hymn writing, which was a really, a, a really nice merge middle ground of those two different worlds. Um, and a few years ago, I was just thinking about God's faithfulness. Um, and I wanted to write some sort of hymn about God's faithfulness. And I, I kind of brought you a draft just kind of as an illustration. Um, can, you see, can you hold it up? So when I started just listing out God's faithfulness, uh, ended up being like 15 verses long. Um, and that was just like, you know, that was just touching like the tip of the iceberg. And so I just felt like this song really, um, 
reminds me a lot of our kind of our faith story. Like God has done so much in our lives that, I mean, it just could go on and on and on because God's faithfulness does go on and on. Um, and obviously we're going to have to condense a lot of what God has done for us into just, you know, one little sharing time. Um, so I'll just, I'm just going to read just a few things though, of just like kind of from this list. Um, I'm not going to read all of it and that, and I'll probably just read kind of what the song ended up being. Um, but when we think about God's faithful, first of all, he's, his very nature is faithful and steadfast. He's faithful through the ages. He's faithful to his word. Um, and then the line that comes back over and over is faithful, ever faithful God who holds the world. Um, God's faithful to provide us. Um, he's faithful to forgive us. He's faithful to pursue us. He's faithful to instruct us, um, faithful to train us and guide us. He's faithful to protect us, um, faithful to hold us. Um, and then faithful when we stray faithful. Um, I like the idea of betrothing us and faithful, um, one day to redeem us. He's faithful in our failure, faithful in our fears, faithful in our sorrows and faithful in our tears, faithful in our valleys, faithful in our grave, faithful, ever faithful, the God who always saves. And I could go on and on about God's faithfulness. Um, but that's what our, the theme of our, I guess, our, of our faith story is that we're going to be talking about today is just how God's been faithful, um, even before we met, but then after we've met, been faithful to our family. Yeah. Um, and we did share a version of it a couple of years ago at faith. Um, and then it's gone under a lot of revision. This, this hymn has been constantly revised. Um, but we're hoping to actually record it, um, in about nine days in um, in a studio with um, a group of people from faith. Um, we're going to sing it as kind of like a choral version. So, yeah. So you can always find me later. Once that's finally finished, I can give you a copy of that. So, Tell us a little bit about your background. How'd you come to faith? Um, I grew up in a very um, strong Christian family. A lot of you know my parents um, who attend here. And uh, I, I, it was at a very young age that I decided to give my life to Christ as a, as a young, young kid, probably six or seven years old. Um, and then, yeah, just always being in the church um, always having um, uh, the Bible as a basis as for education. We were homeschooled. Um, really, yeah, I think just really gave um, yes, a strong foundation in, in the truth of the Bible. And have, we also had a, yeah, both of my uh, grandparents were our pastors. Um, so there's a heritage on both sides of a Christian faith and we would hear stories of um, when they were growing up, how they would see God working and providing for them. Um, that, that was, those stayed with me and were really um, important too. I started attending faith um, about middle school when I was in middle school and my family's continued attending here since then. And I have when I've been in town. So yeah, that's kind of my uh, spiritual background. Um, I grew up in the South, which usually surprises people. I'm like an undercover Southerner. I don't have the accent. Um, and this picture is a little blurry, but that's me and my seven siblings um, in Georgia. And um, my parents were both Christians, but they were the first Christians in their family, and they both came to Christ as adults. Um, so 
although there was Christianity in my home, I felt like, um, especially one of my parents had come from an abusive background. So there were a lot of like weeds from that abuse that kind of spilled over into our family. Um, so although I saw, you know, kind of the seeds of Christianity kind of growing in my parents, um, it wasn't exactly a stable environment. Um, so because of that, I really relied on my church um, for learning about the Bible, uh, but also just seeing like how you actually live out your faith. Um, I was very close to a lot of um, mentors basically at my church. Um, but then in middle school, that church that was, um, I was like in love with this church. It all started to fall apart. Um, there was some sort of scandal. I was too young to really understand. Um, and all of the, almost all the staff left. Families just totally left. It was, and it was like, basically we're bar barely surviving as a church. Um, and so for me, that coming, especially during your teenage years, when you're already going through a lot of changes, um, really was a difficult time for me because I began to question a lot about, wait, I thought the church was supposed to be, you know, flourishing and growing and changing the world. And here it is falling apart. Everyone's, you know, not being faithful to, to stay or to, you know, help rebuild, um, our church. And so I went through a lot of, um, a lot of questions then. And that's when I really, I think, um, fell into songwriting as a way of prayer. Um, because I just had so many, so much lament, I feel like, and that I was just scribbling out in my very childish way. Um, but um, God actually really surprised me. I don't kind of pull up this picture. A few years later, we moved to Mississippi, um, just in time for Hurricane Katrina. And so this is my church after Hurricane Katrina. This is our sanctuary. As you can see, it was totally devastated. Um, but the amazing thing was through the destruction of Hurricane Katrina, God began rebuilding my faith um, and my faith in, in the church as the body. And I really fell in love again with the church um, during that whole year, my last year of high school. Um, we had churches from all over the world come and they would sleep on the floor of my church in like sleeping bags. We would get there. They'd be like rolling up their sleeping bags and we would just have church. Sometimes it'd be outside. Um, sometimes be in the fellowship hall that did like barely survive. Um, and so that was really eye-opening for me to see um, what it really meant to love each other through significant trial. Um, and also through the hurricane, I think was what ended up kind of leading me towards IU. Um, the schools had kind of fallen apart um, during the hurricane. So I decided to graduate a year early and pursue music at IU. And that's kind of where our stories start to intersect. So where did you meet and how? <laughs> we met at IU. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> How'd that Good. work? Uh, let's see. Uh, so we were both uh, freshmen. And the first semester, we didn't really know, know each other. It's a big music school um, there. Uh, I th That break after the first semester of freshman year, during that winter break, I actually went to Urbana uh, as part of a group, a small group that Faith actually sponsored, helped to sponsor us to go there. Um, and I, yeah, my big takeaway there was just seeing um, that wherever I am can be a mission field. And of course, I knew that in my head, but just I think God really, um, yeah, yeah, laid that truth out again for me um, to try to try to grasp. And I decided to look for opportunities um, there at IU where I could pray for people or pray pray about the school. Um, so I. I went to the music Bible, musicians Bible study that I hadn't gone to first semester. Um, so I went there right after uh, I got back to school and yeah, met some people, including Joyce, and started talking about ask, asking if people wanted to meet 
meet a couple times a week um, to pray for the music school and the professors and the students there. So that's how we met. Yeah, and I had I had been at the Bible study first. Um, so when I first came to IU, I didn't know a single person. I didn't really know any of the campus ministries because I had come from the South. The ministries were not the same. So when I would kind of look them up, I wouldn't be able to find anything. I was like, man, this is like a God forsaken Yankee <laughs> land. Like there is nothing here. Um, but then I saw a flyer one day for a musician's Bible study that was just run by some students in the school. I wasn't associated with any of the groups. Um, and so that actually almost became like um, almost like my local church because I didn't have a car or a bike. So um, the only churches I could go to were walking distance. And I just had trouble connecting with people um, at the churches. So I quickly kind of clung to that as sort of like my family and my church. And then um, things were going really well. And then Peter waltzed in and um, I was like hit like head over heels. I don't know if it was love, but it was something like really, I can't even explain, but just kind of like the first time I saw him, God was like, keep your eye on this guy. And I was like, I don't know what that means, you know? Um, <laughs> but then, yeah, the very first thing he just shows up to this place he's never been before. And he's like, hi, I'm Peter. And I'd like to start praying for the music school and let's do this so that, you know, like a few times a week. And I was like, wow, that's, that's amazing. Who just waltzes in with this vision of um, praying for musicians, which is a difficult field. And so I started attending these prayer meetings um, and it was kind of hard because I was very quickly growing kind of in love with him. And if you know, prayer is kind of a personal thing. So it was like, I don't know this. I kind of felt like really shy around him. Um, I thought she was very quiet. Yes. Until we and got was... married. He thought I was like so quiet because I was like, I was like, I don't want to say anything. Screw anything up. This is going so well. And then after we got married, it was like, blah, 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 blah. Um, <laughs> so I kept trying to find a, like, this is true. I kept trying to find a prayer meeting where Peter wasn't there so that I could pray without being distracted or nervous. I could not find one. There were like, I would go to these two, like at six 30 in the morning, were they seven? Maybe there were seven. He was at both of those each week. Then I found one that was like Friday nights at 10 PM. He was there. So it was like, <laughs> okay, I guess we're just kind of stuck together. Um, and then through prayer, we started then eventually serving together. Peter had the idea to start um, an alpha group in his apartment, um, which Faith at the time, I think, had been doing an alpha program. And so they actually gave the materials free to Peter um, to use and to do an alpha Bible study to just explore the Bible with whoever was interested, like a kind of like a seeker group situation. Um, and so he asked me if I would help lead with that. So through that, we continued kind of getting to know each other and serving together. Um, but all that was before we were dating. Yeah. And then I finally opened my eyes and, uh, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I just, we, I asked her out on the, the spring semester of my sophomore year. So about, yeah. So it'd been a little less than a year since we've really known each little, other. Or a little uh, over a year. Uh, yeah. Yeah. A little bit over. Yep. Um, and then we went, uh, apart that summer. And I think that summer was where I really, um, felt like this um, beautiful girl. So the lady I'd like to marry. So um, I was away at a music festival. Um, and I just remember, it was in Aspen, Colorado. I just remember at night looking up at the stars and, and taking a walk in by myself and uh, kind of feeling in a way overwhelmed because I didn't know what the future would hold. Um, being a musician, you don't really have a, a job right out of high, right out of school, right out of college. Um, so I didn't really know that part of it. And I didn't, 
exactly know, um, yeah, what was going to happen with our relationship and really missing Joyce. And I just remember uh, distinctly this one evening, just looking up at the stars and, and just re having God speak to me and realizing that he's the one who made, who made all the stars. He, he put this beauty um, there and it's so vast and so, um, yeah, you just unimaginable as you can't grasp it. And yet that same God, he, he cares for, for what you're doing, um, for the path you're going on. And, and he knows what's going to happen. Like, so there, there really wasn't, um, I'm just going to, I guess, yeah, I guess in, it was just a, a call to trust him and just a reassurance that he would, um, he would take care take care of me and take care of us. And then we got married um, before, right before our senior year um, of college. Yeah, married during college. So a bit of a leap of faith there. Mm -hmm. So um, sounds like God showed you some provision through that, those first few years of marriage and how, how did God work through that so you could be married at school and survive all that fun. <laughs> yeah. So, um, even while we were engaged, I think we were, we were excited about getting married, but also nervous. Um, my dad had actually told me never to marry a musician and he, and he told me like, Oh yeah, IU has really good business school. So, you know, when you go to IU, maybe just like walk around the business side of campus, you know, <laughs> but the business, the business school is actually really far for the music school. I mean, maybe there's, I don't know. So anyways, I, I, I yeah, I did exactly the opposite of what my dad said and fell in love with the musician. Um, but during our engagement, uh, Peter had been working just, you know, whatever kind of gigs he could find. Um, and I remember him taking, he took an audition kind of as we were praying about how, you know, financially this would work out. Um, he took an audition for the Indianapolis Chamber Orchestra and um, actually won the audition. And it was, you know, like a part-time gig and um, close enough to Bloomington that he was going to be able to do it. And there were like different instances like that. Um, there was another instance where um, the school gave me a scholarship they didn't apply for. They're like, oh, by the way, we just decided to give you this scholarship. And you're like, oh, okay. I didn't know that was a thing. Like, they'll just give you a scholarship. But we found, found all of those, like, um, as an example of God confirming that this indeed was his timing for us, that it was okay to get married before we graduated. Um, and then while we were in Aspen, Colorado, we saw a few more specific examples of God's provision yeah, so we took a honeymoon in Aspen, Colorado for two months um, after we got married. He was, he was so, in a music festival. Yeah, it actually it wasn't quite a honeymoon, but... <laughs> it was, he was actually working all the time, and I was all by myself in the mountains, but that's okay. Yeah, um, yeah, it was, I mean, it, it was a... Uh, yeah, so how we, uh, how we saw God work um, there in Aspen, um, we were able to find a place, which is an amazing thing, because all the short-term rentals are really expensive there. Um, being a resort town and a lot of the places the musicians will, will find and stay are maybe 30, 40, 45 minutes away. And they'll just come in, um, every day for, for the rehearsals and things, but we found one uh, right in town. It was actually across the street from a church there, um, that we, we attended, um, that it was a reasonable place, very small place, but, but reasonable. And yeah, at the church, they, um, one instance where we see God kind of reassuring us that he's with us and providing was um they they were asking for people to give money to help this uh this mother to buy a stroller so um so we we kind of thought about it a little bit and 
we, we eventually decided to give money, um, even though we were really tight um, financially. Um, so it was get $20 or something. And then just that, that week afterwards, we got this random check in the mail sent to Aspen at our address. Somehow they got our address. Um, but yeah, it was from this hospital down south in, in Alabama, or this medical testing place in Alabama. And the only, it was just this test, I mean, this check saying that we got this refund for whatever it was. We, we, we couldn't quite figure out what that was from. But, but yeah, we just saw that it was God confirming that he'd, he'd take care of us. Um, even after trusting him in being generous with what he's given us, that he'll still provide for, for our needs. Yeah, and there, there was one other just, it was kind of a silly example, but um, grocery, I mean, everything was expensive in Aspen. Um, actually, the rent is even more than what that was 10 years ago, 12 years ago is more than like our mortgage payment now for that tiny, <laughs> tiny little place. Um, but groceries, I remember groceries are incredibly expensive. And like, I'm all about, you know, cutting back to save money. So I remember going through the grocery store and distinctly like being like, is it necessary or, you know, not and like just things like salad dressing, like it's not necessary. I could eat my greens plain, you know, Parmesan cheese, not necessary, you know, and just like very, like, I don't know, just being really legalistic about it. On um, that night, I went to babysit a family. And at the end of the evening, they were like, oh, we're actually headed back out of town. Would you like some, like our extra groceries that we can't use? And every single thing in the basket was something I had thought about buying at the store, but I've been like, it's not necessary. It was, it was unreal. Like it still gives me goosebumps thinking about um, just that God was watching my tiny little sacrifices and just saying, look, I'm, I'm your provider. You don't need to you know, be so anxious, you know, about all these things, even though, um, even though the numbers look small so often. Um, and all this was really amazing because, um, in July we found out they were expecting. Um, and so that meant that we were going to be expecting a baby in April and graduating in May. And so that just kind of added, you know, just a lot of questions about how that was going to work. Um, not even, not even about the money, really more just about the timing of it. How was I going to be able to finish my classes that semester? Um, so just to have all of those kind of just little instances of God's blessings and grace and provision, um, while we just had that sudden blessing that we weren't expecting, um, just was really helpful in giving us peace as we went into our last year of college. So after college, I think you moved to Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. What took you to Milwaukee and how did you wind up building community and connecting there? Uh, well, God was faithful and he, he provided a job for me right after college. Um, so that's why we went to Milwaukee. Um, and yeah, thinking back on it, it is pretty crazy. Um, just um, getting a job. Um, the first aud audition I took, um, is it's very it usually takes a lot longer um, for musicians to get a job uh, in the orchestra field. Uh, and yeah, and we could go on about that. Like the whole process is, it's very, yeah. Maybe with any interview, it's like this. I don't really know because I haven't taken other interviews <laughs> um, and other hiring processes, but you go in there, you play your audition and then you know there's stuff you didn't do as great as you could have. You think maybe it went okay, maybe it went pretty well, but you're not exactly sure because you, you know where the flaws that you hear are, but you don't know exactly what they're listening for or anything. And so a lot, even the whole process is a kind of a step of faith. And it's probably like that for other things too, but that was really cool just to see God um, provide for that. And then we, so we moved to Milwaukee 
and we found um, after after looking a, a little bit um, uh, about a month, we, we found a, a really good church. Um, it's um, East Brook Church in Milwaukee. It's it's a big church. Um, they have three services and four services. Yeah, because the Saturday one too. Yeah, so it was yeah very big church, but yeah God provided just in the first week or two that we were there, we were able to meet some some friends who we kept the entire time we were there. Um, we joined their um, small group. And yeah, that was, that was just a really cool to see how God was um, providing us with that community as we were moving there with some very young children and didn't really nobody, didn't know anybody there in the, in the community. Um, yeah. And I think you could probably tell. Yeah, when we when we first went there, we actually were a one car family too. Um, so Peter was gonna be working, and I was gonna be home with this baby all by myself. Um, so something that was really amazing. And now that we've met a lot of you know, after spending time at Eastbrook, we really realized how rare it was to connect with someone. Your first, it was our first service there that we connected with someone who lived within a mile of me and said, "Oh, you don't have a car? How about I'll pick you up and take you to the woman's Bible study every Friday." You know, I don't know what I would have done without that, um, because it was, it was really hard, um, to acclimate to, especially when winter came and I'm from the South, <laughs> which is a quick side note. I didn't even know Milwaukee existed. Like when he called, you know, cause I wasn't expecting him to win his first audition. It's like a practice, right? So he called and was like, I won the audition. I'm like, wait, what, where, where was this again? He was like Milwaukee. And I was like, where's Milwaukee? He's like, Oh, North of Chicago. I'm like, there's a North of Chicago. <laughs> like that's like my worst nightmare. Um, but it ended up being such other than the winter, it was an incredible place to live. And, um, I always say like in that church, I felt like we had almost like, it was like we had, you know, our college years. And then this was like a chunk where God put us in a church that really, um, almost like trained us in just a few different things that we hadn't really experienced before, but in diversity, it was a very diverse group. So it was really amazing to see, um, they would have different cultures occasionally lead worship in another language. Um, that was really amazing to watch. Um, they, they were big enough to have, um, an actual drama program. So I was actually able to study playwriting with, um, a pastor there, which was a really amazing experience. Um, but they also had a huge heart for, um, teaching English to internationals. And so, um, pretty, I think maybe after a year or two, we had been there. Um, they connected us with, um, Iraqi family that really became like, almost like family to us during our time there. Um, and so it was a huge, um, learning experience for us to learn how to love someone, um, who was not only from another religion, another culture, but also, um, had come from a, a country of trauma. Um, so that was something that was, um, really powerful, um, and really gave us more of a heart of understanding for the people who come to our country. Um, so our time in Milwaukee, I mean, it was incredible. And we, um, we really were so connected there that we never wanted to leave. Um, I have a few pictures, like, so we also like a ton of our, I think I just kind of forgot all about the pictures while we we're talking, but our family really kept growing. You can kind of see, so we arrived with one kid and then the next year in 2011, we added another kid. And then in 2012, we added a third kid. <laughs> and then 2013, we added little Micah. Um, so our family really did grow a lot. And then by the time we left uh, Milwaukee, um, I was actually pregnant with my fifth kid. So this was our, our little house. And did you want to tell maybe about how God kind of led us to that house and his faithfulness in providing that for us? 
Yeah, so we were in a in a two bedroom apartment for the first year and a half. So living in Milwaukee. Um, so after about a, a year or so, we we thought about um, trying to find a house to buy to have more space and. We had a little bit of an issue off and on with our neighbor complaining about a baby crying. So, I mean, yeah, that's kind of stressful when your baby's crying and your neighbor's saying, stop crying. Like, <laughs> what do you want me to do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that, um, yeah, we were ready to, to get into a house. Um, but we, yeah, we were just, we wanted to be wise with um, not buying anything out of our price range. And we didn't really have a lot of money either. So, um, yeah, we, we connected with a realtor and um, yeah, started seeing houses like you normally do around your price range. And usually the ones about our price range were in not so great neighborhoods and falling apart. So um, we kind of kept looking and kind of realizing, well, maybe that's kind of what we have to do if we want to get a house in this price range. Um, there were a couple that were, were, were nicer, a little bit out of our price range um, that we were looking at as, as well. And kind of, trying to figure out and praying and just, just decided to keep, keep waiting. Um, and then we, yeah, we, uh, we got a call from the realtor and she had a couple more houses she wanted to show us. Um, so we went and one of them was an, was an older house. Um, but neighborhood was, was decent. Um, and everything looked, looked okay. It was just, everything was dated, you know, like nothing had been changed in 50 years inside the house. Um, but we, yeah, we kind of fell in love with it or Joyce did. <laughs> I was like, Oh, okay. It works. And yeah, Joyce was thinking about all the possibilities in the house. Um, but then we, so we finally, um, yeah, decided to, to put in an offer, um, right at our, um, right at our budget and it was accepted. So we could just kind of see that as God providing, um, for us in that area. And then we quickly realized with older houses, um, there's no closets. So it's like, and all the rooms are really tiny. Um, we were coming from an apartment um, where you basically live out of your closet, right? You don't have a lot of furniture. And I was like, wow, we're kind of, you know, putting all of our money to our house. We don't have any money left over for furniture. <laughs> so like, where are all of our clothes going to go if there's no closets? Um, and that the next day I got a call from the realtor and she said, Hey, you know, the owner of the house was just wondering if you were interested in any of the furniture, he's moving into a nursing home. So um, he doesn't really need all this furniture you know, is there a certain, like certain stuff that you would like him to leave? And I was like, well, this house is full of some, it was like either kind of like really old broken stuff, or there's like some really nice stuff that looked maybe it was like 80 or hundred years old. I mean, really nice wooden furniture. I was like, well, I don't want to just like ask for his, you know, very best furniture. Like, well, I want your China buffet and you know, all the very best stuff. So I just said, you know what, just tell him like, whatever he'd like to leave, he can leave, you know, and we'll just, you know, go through from there. Um, and I was like, Oh, I really hope he leaves some wood. You know, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> um, then at closing, when we got the key, we went to the house and it looked like it had been untouched. Like this man had just taken his clothes and left. <laughs> like everything was there just as it had been as we walked through. And, um, it was just this incredible blessing. Um, but it was also a lot of work cause we had to go through <laughs> like the carpets would literally like crack as we were like rolling them up because they were so old. Um, but we still have a lot of that furniture and it's just kind of a, another reminder of God's provision. Um, and yeah, we did love that little house, huh? <laughs> so you're back in Indiana now. That was not always the plan, right? You really loved Milwaukee. Um, how'd that decision come about? Um, 
there was an opening um, in the Indianapolis Symphony for this job that I have now, the assistant concertmaster job. And basically how it works is in the orchestra world is they'll, they'll just post all the openings in all the orchestras um, in this monthly magazine. So you get the magazine and you kind of look through and usually after you're looking through, you're just gonna throw it away. Um, at least I do. But it's, um, that, so we, we saw this ad and I showed it to Joyce. Oh, yes. hey, look, we could go back to Indianapolis. And, and I was like, no. I, yeah. <laughs> and I don't think you were super excited about, but we had always said, oh, okay, Milwaukee is a good starter job, but if something ever opened up closer to family, you know, we should consider that. It's kind of logical. Um, but by the time this job had opened up, we had been in Milwaukee four years at that point, And we, we loved it. We were so um, excited too, about the work our church was doing. And we were even considering moving um, to the South side so that we could kind of live among refugees. And um, so I was like, I don't want to do that. And plus all the work of an audition. I mean, I was, what I had four kids all under the age of four. I was like, I don't want to be like single mom while you're like practicing all day. You know, all these kind of thoughts are in my head. And Peter was so gracious. And he said, you know, if you don't feel comfortable with me taking this audition, I'm not going to take it. And I was like, awesome. This is great. Um, but as a couple of weeks went by, or I think eventually you did say like, Hey, how about we just talk about it later? You know, when we're not so worn out or something. Um, I think God started kind of changing my heart. And I distinctly remember there's this day we were washing, I was washing the dishes. We were trying to get all the kids <laughs> wrangled up and in bed. Um, and I told Peter, I was like, you know, I think we need to talk about that audition. He's like, Oh, there's no rush. Like, you know, we can wait another week or two. And I was like, no, I just feel this like urgency. He was like, oh, okay, well, after we get the kids to bed, I'll get the information about the audition and uh, we can talk about it then. And um, by the time he got all the information out, we realized the application deadline was that night. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like, oh, wow, God was like stirring my heart so that we wouldn't miss this opportunity. And then when I looked at it in more detail, um, the audition was um, set for September and the Milwaukee Orchestra had six weeks, six weeks off from mid-July all the way to the beginning of September. So as far as like the preparation for the audition, it couldn't have been more ideal. He had like six whole weeks where he didn't have work, where he could just practice. Um, and so I just felt like God's hand was, yeah, kind of just pushing us gently towards considering Indianapolis, um, which was really helpful having kind of that feeling of God's um, leading because it ended up being a really long year. They had the first part of the audition was in September. And they picked two finalists. There was Peter and another um, violinist. And they said, all right, well, we'll do the second round in February. I was like, February? Because I had already been thinking about, you know, moving. We were kind of squeezing this tiny little house with like four little kids. I was kind of ready to like move. I'm like, I mean, I won't even know until like February what we're going to do. Um, and I like to have a plan and like know what's going on. So that was really difficult for me having that um, patience. But yeah, eventually we made it to February. And, and they did the second round and Peter won the audition. And we had about three months after that, three or four months to kind of transition out of Milwaukee and then move that summer. Um, so it was really, I don't know, really um, helpful for us to see that God was leading us intentionally towards Indianapolis. So over the last year and a half, been a lot of challenges with COVID. I know it's disrupted live performances, which is your livelihood, Peter. Um, how did you manage through that time? How are you managing now? Um, yeah, I think just, again, just God's provision. Um, uh, some examples. Uh, yes, yeah, so for the, for the last year and a half, um, let's see. I think 
I mean, I think a lot of it, um, sorry, I'm still thinking about where we moved. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's been amazing to see, um, how God's provided through, um, the generosity, generosity of his church and, uh, yeah, just people we know and people we don't know. We've, we've gotten, uh, not on a number of occasions, just random gifts from people, um, gotten checks we've gotten random cash just um showing up and it's it's been really neat to see for me and enjoy just how they often those gifts have corresponded to needs that we've had um right right then at that time um we yeah so we, we one of one of the examples is we, we were given this this gift um this risk random cash and then right afterwards we had this um big leak up in our um our upstairs bath so we had to we had to call a plumber and get it get it all fixed and the the amount was the amount the plumber charge was almost exactly what was given in that cash gift um another example is yeah we had this almost exactly the same thing there's a check that we, we had gotten um as a gift and we were thinking uh trying to think and decide whether or not to have two of our children take um, music lessons virtually um, at a, the program down in Bloomington. It's a really good online program. Um, we, we had done it for one semester with one of them. We were trying to think about the other two. And the check was exactly the amount of both of the tuitions costs. So there, there were other examples. Um, okay, the, w- one other one is we had gotten another gift. And by, by this point, I'd kind of seen this pattern and then i realized wait we haven't had something's about to break yeah we haven't had an expense yet (laughs) (laughs) and something did break yeah yeah Yeah, our water heater broke and we're like oh okay (laughs) so yeah we started to quickly find that pattern but um another kind of different i think it's amazing to receive gifts but also um finding a way to still be able to use your work um in this time um, was really difficult and it was neat to see, um, so, you know, when the shutdown first happened first, you're kind of like, Oh, cool. A couple weeks off. And then like, you're like, Oh, this is not, this is not good. <laughs> like, and then realizing of all the essential things like music was like the least essential. And you're like, Oh, we're the least essential people in the world right now. <laughs> so it's going to be a long time until our job comes back. And Peter actually started looking at coding. I think actually a ton of musicians were looking into these coding programs and stuff. And he was spending all his time on coding. I was like, man, it's just like a shame to just like randomly change your career. And you're not sure like if that's really necessary. Um, and we were cleaning our patio in early May one day. And I was like, huh, this is like a pretty big patio. I wonder if we could do like a concert out here and people like wear their masks or something. Maybe that could be a thing. And so on our anniversary, we kind of did this experimental concert and people were, were thrilled to have live music again. And so we launched, um, we called it, we ended up calling it Vickery Chamber Live and we're still, we're in our second season now um, because we realized we were meeting a need in the community, but then we were also meeting a need for musicians. And we just started playing all around Indianapolis in people's backyards. Um, we played in some cul-de-sacs or I should, I shouldn't say we, I'm the, I'm the person who would stay home while he would go play all these gigs. Um, but you even played on a boat, right? You and Nathan, I mean, they played in a boat and somebody's little, or on a, on a dock. dock on, on a, a dock. dock. Okay. Not on a boat. Um, 
but it was really neat to see um, God provide work for him and to be part of providing that work for other musicians who were really discouraged. Um, and it wasn't even necessarily about the money, although I'll, that money really became it if like basically took care of our winter. We had like a winter fund that we, so we worked all summer to kind of fund our winter. Um, but it also just provided that connection with the community. Um, a lot of people were really encouraged by those concerts. Um, and so that was really neat to see God. I felt like God gave us that idea um, and it did quickly grow, but I, I still think we were the first people to do it, you know, because I started seeing in other cities, people know I'm like, I'm pretty sure that that was like, we were the first, but I mean, not that it's a contest or anything. Um, and another neat thing to see was God provide for me. Um, I've been like basically focused on homeschooling um, primarily the past uh, several years. Um, but just before the school year started, we just wanted that little extra cushion in a budget. And we saw a PE job open up at this homeschool co-op that uh, my kids attend. And I was like, well, I don't really want to do PE, but it's, you know, an extra few hundred dollars, whatever, might as well do it. You know, it's part-time. So, um, I decided to do it, but I was kind of sad because I knew earlier there had been a music opening, but at the time we weren't in a financial crisis. So I wasn't even really considering it. Um, and so I went ahead and I signed the contract for the PE job. And then a few days later, got a call from the person who had gotten the music job. And she said, you know what, do you want to just trade? Like I was just doing this, like to get my kid into the school because if it was on faculty, you know, I didn't really, I, I'm fine teaching whatever but I think you would really be a good fit for music. And I was like, well, sure, I would love to trade. Um, and so that job, again, it wasn't even about the numbers, but just for me, like to sing and teach kids like every week um, for this past year when everything was up and down, I mean, it was just like a lifeline for me. And also just this really beautiful place where I felt like I was actually using my gifts um, in a way God had intended. Um, it was also special because I had been doing children's choir here right before that and had it all shut down. So I had been kind of sad about that. So it was really neat to see God provide that for me. Um, and the other special thing that God had provided was um, because of the shutdown, the, um, the Gettys actually decided to launch a hymn writing course um, that they'd always thought about doing, but they had never had time to do. But with the shutdown, um, they suddenly had time to do that. So I was able to, um, since Peter was home more during the winter, I was able to actually do that hymn writing class um, and just learn so much more from some really, um, really amazing hymn writers. Um, and so that was really um, an extra blessing. I felt like this year being able to kind of grow in that, in that skill. So I think Romans 12 verses nine through 13 have been significant to you and your family. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so I guess that's just a that's a verse that we we had kind of picked and studied um, before we were married and early in our marriage, especially. Um, yeah, it's it's about um, how love must be sincere, um, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, and just be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honor one another above yourselves, um, practice. This is a different version. Oh, okay. <laughs> but never be lacking in zeal, yeah. but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, Ooh, patient in affliction, <laughs> and faithful in prayer. Um, share with God's people who are in need and practice hospitality. And he had given those verses to me when we were dating as just kind of, um, this is what I want a relationship to look like. And so it was um, always been kind of a prayer for our family. And, um, and it continues to be... Um, 
I guess our goal from our family. And it's really neat to see now how we've experienced all of those things on both sides. Like we've been able to be generous to people. And then especially this year, people have been very generous to our family. Um, and just seeing God's, how God's family is in, intended to function. Um, and it's all because of how God's been faithful um, in providing just love for the church to be able to love each other like he loves um, Christ. Well, thank you, Richards. Um, so that, that is, that's the list of my questions for you. Uh, but to open it up to others. Any questions for the Vickeries? And when you give a question, I'll repeat it so that people on the stream and in the recording get a copy of it too. Doug? Two questions. So are the kids now playing music? And also, Peter, can you explain a little bit more exactly what your, how your job works with them? So the question was, if any of the if any of the kids are, are playing music and then details about your job, Peter. So th this is our family now, um, but my oldest James um, plays piano and then Lily is over there next to me. She plays violin and actually is currently studying with Peter again. She had actually fired him. <laughs> um, she had fired him right before, yeah, all this, which is why we were looking at that online school because we we're like, oh, she needs someone else. But now she's, she's taken him back. Yes. So, um, and then Steven plays cello. Um, and then Micah right now is kind of doing piano and then Bethany thinks she plays violin, which means, yeah, every once in a while she pulls it out and tries to play twinkle twinkle little star, but it's, it's a little rough. And then Ethan, um, actually has gone to like the worship practice sometimes like the contemporary worship practice. So he thinks he's a guitarist. Um, and so, yeah, he'll like kind of get it out and strum it around. <laughs> Um, yeah, so being an assistant concert master of the uh, Indianapolis Symphony, um, basically that's what that entails is uh, we we rehearse as a group um, during during the week. So we sometimes four or five rehearsals for the concert um, on the weekend, and then every week we'll we'll do a different program. Um, so we'll play. Um, basically, what it entails it's preparing the music that. The orchestra is going to play um, each each week. Some some weeks we'll we'll do a couple of different programs, um, but but yeah, that, that's generally it. So you're basically required to learn the music ahead of time, um, be able to play it in rehearsal, and uh, yeah, iron out all the all the wrinkles at that time, hopefully, and then yeah, have performances um, on the weekends, in the evenings, and uh, some usually not on Sundays, but sometimes Sundays as well. Good. This is a good question. I was going to ask that in a minute if you didn't. Is, uh, what happened to your accent, Joyce? Where did it go? Um, my dad's a Yankee, so I never really had an accent. I also grew mostly grew up in metro Atlanta. Um, but then my, it is interesting now when I visit my family, Mississippi, cause my dad almost has an accent now, but he definitely didn't when I was a child. So, um, yeah, I've actually never really had one, but some of my siblings who have stayed in the South have definitely grown an accent over the last decade. Well, thank you very much, Pickering. It's been a pleasure getting to know you a little better. And uh, for those of you who sitting out at the tables, there's some questions um, 
that are discussion oriented in response to story here and love to come down there and sit with you and chat for a few more minutes before we wrap it up. We'll usually end about 10 minutes from now, but it's a pretty relaxed environment. We can hang out as long as we want until the next service starts. So thanks again. Thank you.